if we get clear on that, and even if someone like doesn't want to be a social worker, even if it's like, hey, I want to be an engineer, but the question comes, I use kind of see impact as how do you want to improve the field that you're going into here? You know, mm-hmm. how do you want to make it a little bit better? And if you get clear on that, then it doesn't even matter who accepts you or rejects you because you are yeah. clear on your why and where you're where you're going. Welcome to the Relational Parenting Podcast. I'm Jennifer Hayes, a parent coach and 20-year childcare veteran. Each week, I sit down with my own father, Rick Hayes, and discuss the complicated issues that parents face today, as well as some of the oldest questions in the book. From the latest research and the framework of my relational parenting method, we offer thought-provoking solutions to your deepest parenting struggles. Added bonuses include intergenerational wounding discussions and guest childcare experts. You'll also start taking your parenting questions in episode five. So be sure to comment with your biggest questions or email me directly at jenny at jennyb.co. Let's get started. So welcome back, everybody, to the Relational Parenting Podcast. We are here for week four of the education series, four of five. And this week, we have my friend Lauren, uh, and she is here to talk to us about many things. But among those things, she assists families uh, with the transition from high school to college through the college application process, um, which very naturally brings up different feelings um, of anxiety and worry and frustration and excitement and all of those things that happen uh, in that those very critical months between ending high school and heading off to college, uh, getting into the college you want, all of those fun things. So we are going to let Lauren introduce herself and tell us her story because um, she's also a parent of three. And yeah, Lauren, welcome. Thank you so much. I am so excited um, yeah, to be here. I love actually what you're saying here about like kind of like burning it. It reminds me so much of like, you know, stress, anxiety and like just getting rid of identities that no longer fit you. So I am super, super, super excited. Um, yeah. So my Yay. name is Lauren. Um, yeah, just I spent 10 years in Tanzania. Just a little bit about me. Um, yeah, I'm a mom of three. Two of my kids were, were adopted in Tanzania. The third one was born there. So I'm super excited because they all have that Tanzania on their birth certificate. For me, it's like the one flying moment here (laughs) Um, for for all of them. Yeah. And I, I spent, um, yeah, 10 years there. I'm a social worker in my background. So I did, did my master's at Columbia. And right after that, I hopped on a plane and went right to East Africa. Actually, my sister went to Kenya at the same time. So I always joke, my parents lost both of their kids to, to East Africa. Oh like, my goodness. Kind of in, one, in, one, um, yeah, in one go here and was doing, yeah, worked with kind of communities, um, development projects and yeah, university there and kind of yeah, working with kids and kind of helping them find out what they're, what they're passionate about. Awesome. Cool. So How you, did you come to go to East Africa? You say you, you, yeah, you both that's went. A great, that's a great story. So I'll, okay, I'll, I'll give you the real story here. So I was in eighth grade <laughs> and I was obsessed with Jane Goodall. Loved Jane Goodall. Uh, what yeah. is Jane Goodall? Sure. I was like, yes, yes, this person has it made. I said, I just love this. Right. Um, and, then, and then I took biology and I was like, nope, not going to be Jane Goodall. Not going to biology. <laughs> 
monkeys, not me, not my, not my thing. So, not the monkeys. But it got me curious. So I, that was actually how my first trip started. I applied for a grant, and I remember like my dad was. He was so nervous. He flew with me halfway to Heathrow, and he just like said bye. And I knew some woman named Maimuna was going to pick me up on the other side. And I got oh there. Uh-huh. And it was, yeah, I had a, such a good. It's very Good cute. time. It was, yeah, the best, Very the best cute. experience. Um, Dad chaperoning you halfway. I yes. can see that. He is. He loves traveling. So it was such a, it was such a good moment. But yeah, that's how I, that's how I ended up. And I kept on going back. So it was started there. And then it was, I got the, I got the Tanzania, I think, fever. And then just was like, as quick as I can go back to kind of keep learning and keep, you know, doing new projects. Um, service for me became something that was so much fun. Um, you know, it was just, it was life, totally life changing for me. Cool. Just curious about that connection to East Africa yeah. from New York, right? Yeah, it's like, wow, how come everybody went that same direction? That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nope. That's how. That's how I got started. So when you got there after grad school, what was your? You said you were a social worker, but to to me, who has also been a social worker and has grown up hearing that word, knowing that way, it's so it's such a vague like because there's so. So it's such a huge, it's like being a nurse. What kind of nurse are you, right? There's so many possibilities. So like, tell us more about what you did um, there when you moved there to work there. Yeah, absolutely. So I did kind of, I was really a variety of things. So I worked at a university first. I was a social work lecturer, and then I designed um, service learning projects for students. And I think that's Mm -hmm. kind of how my initial passion came to really kind of connecting students with projects. I mean, they were all studying social work and we went to um, visit sober houses. That was half of our project. We found Mm. NGOs that were doing disability advocacy. And there was something I felt truly magical that happened when we could get students out of the classroom and into the world and really, you know, have experiences with community partners, something totally, it was, it was absolutely the best. Um, So yeah, Yeah. that's what I was doing there. Hands on. Yeah, no, it really was totally transformative. Um, And it's it's something that I fell in love with. I always say like, you know, we hear like service is for helping. And for me, it's always been, I always say like service feels um, so selfish and in the best way possible. When I do it, it just like lights me up. Um, And, you know, I see that with with the students I'm working with as well. Um, So that's, that's what I was doing. And then I was, yeah, was working with the organization. So I've done everything from disability rights to LGBT activism and sober houses. And I just always kind of took students with me. And sometimes even my kids, I dragged, I dragged them to a couple sober houses. They were like, oh, we don't want to go today. I was like, no. They loved on. every minute. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. That's They'll appreciate it later. They'll appreciate it later. Oh, they, yeah. And yeah. It was one of the best experiences. I will. There, I remember this past summer I went and I saw my son and we went to an organization um, and her, it's run by a woman named Aneth and she was actually the first deaf graduate of University of Dar es Salaam and she started this organization to help um, other, other women who struggled to find employment. And I just remember my son's face like when he entered and I was just like, yes. This is why I'm doing this. This is why I want you there. This is, you know, this for me is, um, is the re- it's, it was the reason you could just see it was like, wow, like this is, you know, a whole different way of seeing the world. Um, and I was so, yes. that's why I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. My service ex- experience was, um, 
Yeah, I always when when I I really didn't uh I never left the country till I was 26. Um 27 and I got involved with a with a church out here in Colorado and um I went to uh I started leading the youth group and then the youth group went you know to Haiti for a service mission and then um a couple years later, we went to Belize, and um, those were the, for me. I was like, I can't believe I haven't been doing this my whole life. Um, it was absolutely like exactly what you just said. I was, I was in my element. I was the weather. You know, it was miserable and humid, and like there were f- cockroaches, flying cockroaches, like this big, yeah, and. Equator. Oh my god! And it was you know 105 degrees and just wet. The air was just wet every day. And, you know, we slept in concrete forts (laughs) and we were carrying concrete every day. But anyway, all of that to say that, like, I came back from that first mission trip and was just alive um, and Mm. seeing there's something about reading, reading about it in books, reading about different cultures, um, even studying them deeply versus going and living, um, and feeling and seeing with your own eyes and touching the dirt and smoothing the concrete and carrying the buckets. Like there's just, you know, (laughs) whatever the experience might be, you know, I ended up after those missions, my job's my job course changed and I went into social work and I went into, um, serving people with disabilities or, um, youth in juvenile facilities stuck in cycles that they couldn't break out of and different things like that. And it's definitely like, there's a huge benefit to exposing children to that, um, early and, you know, maybe not when they're three, but when they're 10, 11 and starting to really form their concept of the world, taking kids and seeing, seeing how different people live, um, and how real different cultures are, different struggles can be different, you know, different ways of seeing the world. Like I learned a lot from those places and not just how difficult it is. You know, I also learned about how to, how to rest, you know, how to work hard and rest and how to balance those things versus just living the way that we live in America. And, um, yeah, there's, I love that, that you're taking your kids out there and, and getting, getting them in there now, you know? Oh yeah. No, I love it. Mine have like, they've just, I feel like they're kind of, I get the sigh off and like, Oh mom, but no, it is amazing to see. I mean, one of the things I think that I've seen both of my kids and a lot of like the teens that I've worked with is that it often can be that guiding thing that allows you to figure out what do I really care about? What yeah. lights me up? Like, what do yes. I want to spend my time doing? Mm-hmm. And, and that to me is the, there is no greater benefit than that. Um, getting the chance to, to figure that out and see that everyone will be, you know, kind of attracted to different, different things, figuring out, you know, like I am definitely like my oldest son is, you know, sports and soccer. And I would definitely not be organizing the soccer program, but I was at the same place. <laughs> He would definitely be there and, you know, kind of, or building things. It just, it's, it's amazing to see people's natural 
once someone naturally loves come to yeah. life in service. Um, yes. Whether you actually end up in that field or not, you develop transferable skills too. Like yeah. you started mm-hmm. to mention there, you know, getting in and organizing a bunch of people to build something or start something up. That's all really transferable people skills. And, you know, you can take that mm-hmm. wherever you go. There's no wasted time there. Giving that a try. Yeah, absolutely. And it, for me, it almost it's always kind of felt like an adventure, I can say. I think it's something that I felt like, hey, you know, it's it reminds me like, you know, if I don't have to go on an actual safari, I can just kind of go somewhere with my kids. It's so many times I think like at least for myself as a parent, you know, we're in those positions where we're trying to figure out like, oh, you know, what am I supposed to? OK, there's like the rules and the guidelines and all of that. But like sometimes it's nice just to kind of go out there and have fun. Yeah, yeah. It is. And it's also like, it's also a community feel. So in service, you know, whether you, like you guys were both saying, there's, whether you end up in the service field or social work or anything like that, when, when your kids get older, doesn't matter. The experience, the exposure to different, to different ways of life, um, and seeing like very real perspectives of the world, um, and being able to form the way that you see the world and approach the world literally creates empathy just very naturally inside of somebody, um, and the ability to understand difference and accept difference. And also inside of a community, inside of service is built-in community. You are in a group of people and you have to, whether you, you know, you you're figuring, you're figuring out what you're good at. And maybe your son is, he's the one that takes the kids out and runs around with a soccer ball while the adults are trying to get stuff done. Um, you know, or he's, he's the one that's really great at building something or conceptualizing a new building or, you know, like it might be a million different things and there's a million jobs to do inside of any community. And so it's, it's really, it's a real opportunity for kids to like find themselves a little bit. Yeah. I love that. I think it's so true. Cause I think it's like, sometimes I've seen this again so many times with, you know, teens is that we kind of ask ourselves the question is like, what, what makes me unique? You know, what makes me different? And the truth is, yeah. is like, I have never met one person who doesn't have something that is intrinsically inherently special about them that yes. can be of value to someone else. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's also yeah. good to learn that you have a role and there are other people that you're not the best at everything. Yes. And, and right. Work in a team and go, okay, maybe I'm not supposed to be the leader. Maybe I'm not supposed to be the finance person, the detail person. I like to carry bricks or, you know, mm-hmm. I like the physical, physical part of things. And, you know, like I say, there's, there's no part of that kind of learning that's not, that's wasted. You know, that's, that, uh, that is so powerful. I think that's yeah, so true. Yeah, I think that is know. so true. It's like the idea that I don't need to do everything. I don't yeah. like, and I think that if yeah. there's like one message that like anyone can take, it's that we do not need to be everything everyone all the time like let us find what we're good at it's like me with tech like let's call in the truth let's call in the sister right learn to collaborate (laughs) you know it's like kind of like the strengths finder you know do what you're good at and you know call somebody when when there's somebody you know if there's not your specialty call somebody you know work uh, collaborate reach out learn to reach out yeah that's so true that is so true i hope people yeah absolutely so lauren (laughs) 
<clears throat> tell us, um, tell us more then about, you know, so you, so you were in Tanzania, you had, you had your children, you adopted your children. Um, and then how did the, the, all of that lead you into what you do today? That is great. That is such a good, good question. I, I love this story because it reminds me. So I was actually in Tanzania um, during COVID when mm-hmm. COVID was happening. And it was oh, one of boy. the most interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was so interesting because it was like the mass exodus of expats. We'll say that. It was like everyone. Really? Was um, and of course, I was not leaving because I was in the process of adopting uh, my daughter. And her adoption actually had been delayed. So my mm-hmm. husband actually had gone back to the U.S. So we had been 14 months um, in Tanzania trying to homeschool in a house that was never actually technically supposed to be a house with like a tin roof and like trying to Google YouTube videos for math for like my my kids. Um, and it was just, yeah, it was, it was totally, you know, such an, such an experience. Um, but wow. yeah, that's kind of how we, how I, how I kind of got into this. But one of the things I saw that really kind of bothered me, I think, even from like the social work perspective is that like when a lot of expats left, so went with them the projects. And I was like, how is this this okay? Like, this isn't okay. We just want the health center. Like, this is like, this feels Uh, wrong. So it made me ask, what can we do to create things where, again, you can have service programs that are not based on someone fully having to be there all the time in person, kind of like online, online work where people can get connected um, to communities. And I, I think as well, for me, it was wanting to see how we could have that option for communities. But then also, it was equally as a time, like I said, I was in the process of trying to finalize my daughter's adoption, there was like that uncertainty of trying to figure out, oh, we don't even know. I mean, that was I just look back at the time. And I think, wow, like, we didn't know when the date was, of course, we were all living together. And it was such I just remember, like, this emotionally charged time of, you know, how do you explain this to again, we had three kids, there was her both of her brothers. And then, of course, my daughter, who we were all totally in love with, but then asking, like, there's like that uncertainty of, you know, when will it finalize? What will it look like? And I just remember it being like, such a time. Again, I, I, ironically, service was the thing. I think I needed something at that time to figure out how do you get out of yourself, right? You're just sitting yeah. there with such yeah. um, fear, really, in the whole yeah. situation. Get the focus. Yeah. You're so it's so up in the air and the uncertainty and yeah. the change. You know, everybody, you got to learn to be resilient, and you know, it, it challenges you. It's not always comfortable, but oh my gosh, is that a valuable experience? How old was your daughter while you were doing yeah. this? She was around um, three, so she was very young. Um, very little, so very I now little. have a 14-year-old, a, well, he just turned 10, a 10-year-old, and a now five-year-old. Um, but yeah, no, it was, I remember it, it was that moment for me that I was like, it was, it was wanting to figure out, like, how do you, how do you maintain this unit? How do you keep it? Exactly, again, that was great to keep together, them together. Um, when, yeah. you know, you yourself are feeling so, so uncertain, right? You have big feelings. Like it's, you know, how do you, how do you hide this? And I think that was the journey for me in that time, trying to figure out how do you balance both keeping it real, but then also simultaneously as you're going through a very hard process, not, and I think this was pretty important for me, not losing your joy for everyone. Like, let's still have the dance parties, like in our house, you know, blasting cheesy music and, you know, eating Nutella with spoons and like, you know, (laughs) running around and just like, I am sure my 14 year old would be like, mom, do not, do not play those 
You, you definitely get rolling eyes now, but yeah, yeah. Right? for sure. <laughs> so, like, so parenting through, yeah, parenting through COVID in another country. Um, and, uh, when you and I talked, you said that your husband was back in New York at that time too. Yeah. Separated right? from a partner. And so yeah. it was you and three kids and That's, yeah. Hmm. So let's, so tell me more about how you parented through that. What was your focus during that time? Oh, that's a great question. I think a lot of it for me was how do you not, how do you allow feelings to kind of come out into the light? How do you keep it real? I think one of the things that kind of I didn't want is I didn't want to come from a place of feeling like I had to fake it, feeling like I had yeah. to, you know, pretend everything was totally fine. Um, yeah. And then probably then inadvertently kind of get snippy with them, um, you know, yeah. not being able to connect and relate to them. So my mm-hmm. question, again, you know, for myself during the time was how did I, how would I really kind of, you know, embrace embrace really radical honesty um, during that time in ways that felt, and it wasn't, you know, it really wasn't easy. It felt, it was like hard feelings, but it was kind of like, how do we, how do we both embrace hard feelings and then also see how can we fuel it? And I, I pair both of them because I think that's where a tree that grows in that time was so helpful for me because it was like, it's so hard when you're in a hard situation and you can't see, well, what is this for? Right. I think it, for me, it felt so empowering like, Hey, we can be in this, like this can really, you know, and I I think it comes kind of reminds me of like college rejection, right? I hate when people kind of go like, Oh, let's not pretend like, Oh, it's, it's totally fine. And yes, it is fine. But it also (laughs) kind of like sucks, right? Like it doesn't feel good. You have a letter that says you've been rejected. And then you can parent to be like, yes, but it's, it's okay. Like let's acknowledge it feels bad. Like it doesn't feel good, you know? Um, so I think that was our kind of our approach during during that time here. Yeah, I think, that's, I that. think that's a good distinction. You've got to you, have you know, the... there's happiness. Yeah, <laughs> Go ahead. keep Go starting ahead. at the same time. I think we're, <laughs> we're going to say the same thing too. Go ahead, sweetie. Uh, there's, you know, and this is this is what I teach in relational parenting too, um, is that you've got to like this toxic positivity, um, and calling, you know, I even touched on it with you, Lauren, talking about how the, the terms peaceful parenting and gentle parenting, while I know what they're trying to teach and they're not actually saying that parenting is always gentle, parenting is always peaceful, but by naming it, those things, um, we are in fact implying that. And that's why I wanted to call what I do relational parenting because relationships are not always great. They're not always fun. They're not always easy. Um, and you spend a lot of your time in relationship in conflict. Uh, and that's conflict has gotten a bad rap, uh, conflict, hard feelings, negative feelings, uh, has gotten a bad rap. And the truth is though, that by going through difficult situations and, you know, really working that muscle of coping, coping skills, healthy coping skills, acknowledging feelings, allowing the feelings to move through you, um, and all the different ways that that can happen. And then moving forward, having a deeper understanding of one another. And I imagine that you and your children spending that time together, I imagine a lot of households, um, you know, I think that COVID was, hard to navigate for literally everybody and for families with children, especially, you know, navigating that you guys have a different level of understanding of one another. Um, 
you know, and, and being able to work through the, that difficult time together, um, creates bonds and, and hopefully not traumas. I know in some households, there is, there are a lot of issues, uh, worldwide with different, with unhealthy households, um, where the rates of certain types of abuse, et cetera, went up really, really poorly. Um, but not to get sidetracked here, we, we, forget that conflict serves a purpose. And instead of going through it together and leaning on each other and working through it, we tend to avoid it, suppress it. And then it explodes. Um, like you said, like pretending everything's okay. And then getting snippy and mean, you know, with your kids, like, let's be real. Let's show our kids what being human is. Let's be honest. Like this fucking sucks. And I'm sorry. Let's, Let's talk about it. Let's get all those feelings out and then let's problem solve together. Yeah. That is so true. Like everything you said, that's exactly like to- for me, like totally spot on. It's just about, yeah. How do you walk through it? You know, how do you kind of like link hands? And it really, I think it, it really was a transform, you know, transformative time here. And it's about kind of like holding on to each other. And, and again, it goes back to like finding those strengths because in those times it was like, like my oldest son became, and I am notoriously like not a good cook. And that, that boy was making kind of meals out of everything. And I was like, wow, this was, you know, it was it's incredible. Like everyone felt like they had their kind of place. And I think it's, it's so interesting. Cause I think it's like, sometimes we think we have to choose, you know, and I, we either have to say, Oh, like, let's be hopeful or we can, you know, be real, but like, let's, mm-hmm. I think there's the space where both can kind of coexist yes. together. Yes. We can say yeah. this hurts, but we also can kind of let it transform us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Conflict is, is growth. It's not comfortable, you know, but it's valuable experience and to get through it, and have something positive instead of like you guys are talking about, you know, being snippy and get, getting snippy and resentful and wah, 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 living in the past, you know, coming out of it with, okay, I know how to, I know how to deal with that situation or avoid, you know, a situation or head it off or deal with it more positively. You know, yeah. Conflict is, is it's good for you. Yeah. And it it's, it's hard as well, right? It's, it's so hard because you have to kind of, you know, deal with your own shit, really, right? You know, yep. it's like, I think, That's you know, right. you have to deal with it. Like, you can't just like, you know, I had to figure out, I had to, you know, grieve in many regards here, like what I thought was going to happen or was supposed to happen or what the outcome would be and be like, okay, let me try to figure out that so I mm. can come to them. And it's so funny. Anytime I know, like I get with my, if I can see myself getting into that snippy space or like, you know, being that mom who's like some water falls on the ground and like, oh gosh, it's like, you know, the explosion because the water <laughs> fell off on the ground. I know like for me, it's like that wake up call. Okay, Lauren, what's going on with you that you're not feeling good about? Because that's mm. the thing that like that's I'm trying to like divert with water or like crayons that have gotten on the floor or something. Yeah. And it's really not about the crayons. It's kind of like my own. <laughs> what's my part really... in this? You know, yeah. yeah. Why am why am I reacting this way to this thing? Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Self is that self awareness? That's a that's yeah. you know that takes a takes a while for people to not just uh, lash out at others and never seems like a lot of people lash out at others and. And never stop to think about their own, you know, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I've been having a bad day for a while here. What yeah. what do I need to do so that when the water hits the floor, it's like 
somebody get a rag, please, you know? Oh, yeah. absolutely. I Matter think we should fact. normalize for like mothers to say like, it's our parents or partners, whoever is just to say like, Hey, I'm having a really bad day. Like this yeah. is, I think that's part of like the shame buildup is like, we're supposed to say like, Oh, let me like, you know, have my great hair and put on a good filter. And then like, when you take down the filter, you're just like, yeah, but I still feel like crap. Like versus yeah. you say like, Hey, you know, let's just be, have real conversations that, it doesn't always feel good. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think that's important to normalize for parents because there's a lot of, I hear from a lot of parents that it's, you know, well, but where's the line between being honest and dumping on my kids as mm-hmm. emotional crutches? And that's, that's definitely a line that, that is very real and it depends on your children's age. But I think that, Telling your kids how you feel versus making making them wrong, making their needs wrong, making like blame, like putting any kind of blame on your kids um, and or like letting your kid, you know, letting your kids comfort you is actually is good. They shouldn't be therapizing you. Um, but being like, you know, co- this is really hard for me to be at home and we're used to going out into the world and doing things. And I know it's really hard for you too. And it's really hard for me and I'm having a really bad day. Like let your kids hug you and love on you and give you extra kisses and be gentle with you. And like, you're not, you're not, you know, going off and being like, the world is burning down and this is happening and this is happening and this is happening. And, you know, you're not, you're not, there's a level of just, just be honest. This sucks. We can say that it's okay to say that it's okay to have negative feelings. And like, let's now that it's out, we've all hugged. Maybe we've cried a little bit. All right. What can we do together to turn this day around, you know? And so there's definitely, but you're doing, you're doing your children a disservice when they can see you or feel you because they can, I don't care how hard or how well you hide it. Your children can feel that you are having a shit day. Um, and they're going to walk on eggshells around you or they're just going to, you know, whatever. And that honesty puts all the fear aside, brings everything into the light so it can be dealt with. But if you are lying to your kids and just pretending everything is okay all the time, your children are going to learn that that's what you do. And they're never going to get language around their emotions and they're never going to feel safe coming and telling you that they're having, that they're struggling with something. Um, You know, once they get to a certain age, they're just going to quit talking to you about stuff because that's a super, yeah. That's so super so important skill because you you send that you send that uh, uh, mixed message. You know you're yeah. acting weird, and 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 the people around you, especially kids, don't understand it. Why you know what's going on, and it and it just stifles everything. Every like yeah. like you're saying, all you all all other people need know to do is to give you a wide berth. You know, and that's not you're not being a very good parent leader. You know. Yeah at that point. Oh, absolutely. I really agree. I mean, I think like vulnerability is one of like the, you know, it's like, for me, it's like bringing it out into the light. And I think I was reading this somewhere today, but like, it's like, in some ways it removes the power from it. Right. It's like, if we don't yes. speak it, it like, mm-hmm. it grows so big. It becomes this, like yeah. this uninvited house guest. And you're like, how have you like taken up space in my living room? I don't want you here. Like you are yeah. bad. energy. <laughs> 
<laughs> we need a lot of sage to get rid of you, <laughs> you know, um, but like, it's kind of like going about like, how do we then just name it? And I remember like, even today, right, I was walking out and I was kind of having, you know, all my things were just kind of like, oh, you know, not working out. And I went to my son, I said, man, I'm having a hard day. And he goes, I remember it was supposed to be, he goes to me, he's like, but mommy, he's like, he's like, are you still my mommy? I was like, yeah, of course. He goes, oh, you're not really having a bad day. I was like, oh, you. thank you. <laughs> Are been, you, you know? still my mommy? <laughs> See, that's, uh, that's the interesting thing about adoption. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, it's like that uh, establishing that relationship and getting that really deep like that. Oh, that yeah. just that just hits me in the heart, that, yeah. that question. Wow. Adoption is one of the most um, I've amazing experiences. Mm-hmm. I love, I would absolutely, I've had two different kinds of um, adoption experiences. So my first son, I adopted when he was four. And my daughter was when she was um, one. So both came at different kind of ages in the in the whole cycle cycle here. Um, and I think it's for me, it was a it's a lesson in like relentless acceptance of who someone is. I think it's a yeah. and again, but then it was so funny. Like then Jasiri came in the world, and I was like, well, yeah, I guess I have to accept you. Too. I have to accept you too. I guess it's just a parenting, yeah. thing, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it really really is unconditional. Wow, mm. yeah. what a great yeah. example. It is, it is really powerful. So tell us more about how this, like, these are, you know, you have had this really mindful parenting, um, you know, as you've, as you've gone along, uh, your journey, tell me more about the company that you've started now and how you help other families navigate the, 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 those things. Yeah, sure. So my company is called A Tree That Grows. Um, So a lot of times I get the question like, okay, Lauren, what are you trying to grow? What's the tree? I said, okay, well, I definitely love trees. Like I'm one of the, you know, the people who will go on safari and just like admire the the trees. But no, so when I was again in Tanzania, there was this beautiful tree um, called the baobab tree, just gorgeous, like really wild roots and branches. And it it honestly reminded me of like a really untamed woman. She was just like there with all yeah. her glory. <laughs> I loved it. Um, and again, when I kind of saw this, the idea behind a tree that grows is that we work with teens and helping them figure out their strengths, their story and their passion and translating that into a service project that again, both most importantly, gives them clarity on who they are, but then allows them to kind of, again, take that as they are going through their college experience. And the tree that grows concept kind of came from the roots to me are where we find our story. And that's what we do. I always start with the story. For me, the story, if you ever want to figure out like what you want to do or who you are, like start by your experiences and figuring out the things that moved you. And that will like pretty much guide you into what you want to know. Hmm. Um, the trunk is, you know, we how we grow your strengths and skills. So it's growing who you are. And for me, the branches represent that that moment where, you know, we are able to kind of give that gift to others in communities. Um, and so that's how we see service. We, I always say, I'm a social worker who doesn't like helping. So I hate the concept of helping. I don't, I don't find it particularly useful, but I like partnership. I like learning um, and I like exchange. So that's what, that's mm-hmm. what we do. We bring together communities in Tanzania. We bu- bring together teens really around the world. We work with students from Ecuador and Indonesia and Kenya and the UK. And we figure out, you know, what is your driving factor? And for me, that was so important because 
I don't want anyone to go through the process, whether they're applying to college or they're doing a gap year. And if you don't really have a clarity on who you are, it's so Mm -hmm. tempting to look to your neighbor. And I know because like I'm 37 and I'm still tempted to do this and ask myself like, Oh, does, is my, does my story matter? Am I good enough? Um, you know, and this is of course, like you definitely are. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So that's, that's the work that I'm kind of involved, involved in. Yeah. I love it. Doing, helping, helping, yeah, teenagers figure out their true, their true north, like where they're, they want to go, not just where they're expected to yes. go. Yeah. Gets and back they to know. that, uh, gets back yeah. to that uh, self, self-determination instead of mm. just going with the flow or, or looking to others. Uh, I've heard you talk about this before, Jenny, instead of looking, getting your direction from others, you know, looking, looking within, what do I want to do? What am I good at? And uh, being a little more self-directed. Absolutely. And the truth is, I always say to students is that if we get clear on that, and even if someone like doesn't want to be a social worker, even if it's like, hey, I want to be an engineer, but the question comes, I use kind of see impact is how do you want to improve the field that you're going into here? You know, how do you want to make it a little bit better? And if you get clear on that, then it doesn't even matter who accepts you or rejects you because you are clear on your why and where you're, where you're going. And if you don't have Mm -hmm. that, you know, it was so interesting. Like I was reading an article today and I think it was from the wall street journal. And it was like how about teens, actually teen girls in America. And they were like, we are having a crisis here. I mean, this is just, you know, rates of, you know, suicide, sadness. I mean, Mm. depression. I mean, it was like, and I think it's what they said, a really interesting thing. And they said, yet we're seeing again, so many behaviors that would not be considered like at risk behavior. So it's, again, it's all of these girls who are, you know, doing what I'm supposed to, I think I'm supposed to be doing that. And then in the end are being, are left feeling really, really empty. And I think for me, that's like the greatest, um, the greatest loss. That's what I I don't want. And when you can, you know, figure out who you are, who cares if Harvard rejects you? You know who you are. No one can reject your dreams. Like you are clear on you. Like, you know, go ahead and reject me. That's fine. I'm going to find someone else and I will make my way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yes. Have you ever had to like really coach any parents through that? So I, I hear you saying that you have to like, you really talk to students about that, but I'm curious about like parents viewing college rejections as like, my kid's not going to be successful now because Harvard didn't accept them, you know? Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. I think one of the things like when we're working with families and having conversations, we really talk about like, you know, what is it? What is the aim for your kid here? Like, how do we kind of look at their, you know, what is your goals for your child? And a lot of, again, comes back to is like a lot of parents just want their kids to be happy. Right. Um, And then it kind of goes back to, it's like, you know, how does kind of universities relate to, is it really a dream that you have for yourself, right? Because I think it's also very interesting that sometimes families, it's like, you know, I can be a mom of three, but hey, I still have my own dream. So then it kind of goes back to the conversation of how do we separate ourselves from, from the achievements of our, of, you know, of our kids. Right. And it's so hard, yeah. right. Because the ego is such a, even myself, like I will be the first one. It's so tempting to be like, anytime there is that outside validation, you're like, Oh, wow. Yes. I'm like, yeah. I'm doing good, you know, and then it can feel like that, that burn when it is, but it's such an opportunity, I think for us to kind of, again, go inside and ask ourselves, it's like, what is the space that I want to create um, 
in my in my home you know what is the kind of the and it's it's such an opportunity as well for really deep connection during this time because the kids and the families are both feeling are both feeling vulnerable yeah. right yeah it's an opportunity to have that conversation rather than again push it away say oh you know don't worry about it it's okay when you yourself are feeling you have feelings as a parent um yeah you know your kid has feelings so again it's one of those spaces to say you know, sharing your rejection stories, like, you know, normalizing it, being like, hey, let me tell you that time when like, you know, I got rejected from my early decision school and like sat with my sister and had a great Carvel ice cream cake. And like, you know, it may not have been the best coping mechanism, but it was like, you know, a good, a good moment That's here. Right. So it's just, you know, having those conversations. It doesn't have to be perfect. So much of what they, what, what we see online with with Facebook and and Snapchat and Instagram is is everybody's perfect little moments, yeah. <clears throat> sharing an imperfect little story, like that's okay, that's the way people are. You know, it's not perfect. You know, that's a that's a great uh, thing to model or to share with kids. Definitely. Yeah. And it's also like an opportunity for us to ask ourselves, like if we are having strong feelings that man, I wish my kid would be at a certain school. I wish my kid would do this. Maybe it's like, it's kind of like I, you know, I was, I was reading, it's like almost like jealousy, right? Or some, or something like that. Mm. Again, instead of like shaming yeah. it and pushing it down, maybe it's like a cue for yourself. Like, is there something that I'm yeah. seeking to do? Do I have an unfulfilled dream? Do I have a dream that's like calling inside of me? That's, you know, allow, you know, forcing me to kind of project it on, on them. So I think that's, it yeah. kind of is an opportunity to in, examine that as well. I think there's, yeah, that's, it's definitely like, there's a huge part of projection and living, you know, if there was anything you didn't get to accomplish before your focus became your family and your kids, um, or anything that you've been putting on the back burner. Uh, and we all have stuff inside of us that we project onto other people and it gets projected most strongly on those that are closest to us. Um, and there's also, I think an element of, of, uh, fear and safety in that, you know, um, of like my kid needs to get into a good school because a good, a good education means good job opportunities means security. Mm -hmm. Um, and that they're going to survive. Like it's basically a survival instinct, right? Is that we want our kids to be successful because it means that they're going to be okay. Um, and it means that they're going to be okay with or without us, with or without a partner, you know, that they can stand on their own two feet, support themselves financially and eat and survive this world. Um, and so I think that there, you know, the, the motivations can be varied and, or crossover, you know, it might be that you had, you know, had a dream and, or didn't get to go to college or whatever. And you want your, you don't want your kid to feel that. So you want them to get get in so that they don't feel the sting of rejection. Um, it might also be that there's an unfulfilled need inside of yourself. And it might also be that you just want your child to be okay. And to, to, you know, sometimes a college education feels like a security blanket, even though there are hundreds of ways to be successful without one. And yeah, I think there's, so there's, there's so much at play there um, as far as like parenting through something like that. Oh, yeah. And it's so interesting because like one of like the most popular class at Yale is actually a class on happiness. And I think, you know, there's some irony to this here that yeah. like that is really like, and it, you know, it goes to say, I think even as parents, we really have to, you know, the mental health 
um, of teens is something that we really have to, I mean, it's such an important issue. Like we are having, I mean, I forget the the statistics, I think when we were looking at like 60% of kids in their first year of college are, you know, experiencing symptoms of depression and anxiety. And again, I kind of look at it, but I look at like the system that we've created. Like we've had these years because we have not focused on like, who are you? Like, what do you love? What does that authentically look like for you? But we've, you know, focused on getting in, getting in. What yeah. is my friend like doing to the, you know, how is my neighbor doing? Like, what is it? This like really frantic thing. And then we get there. Just constant performance. performance. Yeah. Comparison yeah. to others. Comparison. Mm-hmm. And then we get there and we still feel like that lost. Like we still feel lost, right? We still haven't. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's kind of like the truth. It's like, yeah, we still haven't figured it out yet. Like it's still, you might have gotten in and had all the external. So I think it's like. And it can be something I think that feels really, um, it's also like, you know, I always find services, it's so bonding for families, right? It's like the idea of like the expectations. I mean, that's a whole other thing is working with parents is like managing, why do we have these expectations? Maybe we even change the, what, you know, maybe we should just kind of readjust what expectations we should, maybe it's, you know, do I feel fulfilled? Do I feel excited? You know, I work with so many people like we are, we are 17. We should not be feeling really exhausted. We should feel like really lit up about what we're doing. We should just be like, and I don't care what you like. You could like, you know, anime for all I care, but let's pursue that with like gusto and just go for it. Yeah. Yeah, there should be, and this is like our last three episodes on education have been about child-centered learning, child-centered education, updating the current public school system and even a lot of private school systems, which are mirrored off of public school systems of like where we have a lot of kids in one classroom with one adult, maybe two, um, you know, and then there's, and it's, it's an assembly line of education instead of personalized for what each child's needs are and interests and strengths and natural gifts. We're just putting people through the exact same process and testing them and judging them all based on one set of standards that makes no sense for most people. And And then we're wondering why when our kids turn 18 and head out into the world, whether it's college or trade school or a job or starting a business or a gap year, like whatever, whatever it might be, um, you know, the kids leave the home and all of a sudden there's, they've had all this structure and to-do lists of what to do for the first 18 years of their lives. And then they're off on their own and they figure out there's actually no rules (laughs) there's actually no no rules other than like laws and police and you know some general like murder people right like you can literally (laughs) go out into the world and do anything and they're lost because they haven't spent any of their childhood learning their own strengths their own skills what they actually love versus what gets them a dopamine hit because an adult gives them approval for doing something. Right. And so, and we've looking at our neighbor or or being compared to our neighbor or our sibling or whatever, like being like, well, your brother gets straight A's. Like, why are you getting C's? You know? And there's just childhood is so much, so many people's childhoods are spent 
in performance and people pleasing mode instead of who am Mm -hmm. I and what do I want to do in this world? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And like the grand irony is, is that like we have these education systems, which, you know, train people to all be the same, all be the same. And then we get to like the college application process. And like, our question is, is like, what makes you unique? And now we have just stressed out. (laughs) It like doesn't make much. I am am trying to understand how this, you know, it's just yeah. like, that is mind blowing to me that, and the interesting thing that I've always found is it normally is, and it's not all the time, everyone's different, of course, but like that thing about yourself that maybe again, has caused you some shame, you feel insecure about, you're like, oh, I'm not sure. Is this like, is this a quirk I want to show to the real world? That is generally your superpower. That is generally the thing that yes. we want you to do. <laughs> is yes. it safe? Is it safe yeah. to do that? You got to feel safe to do that. Yeah, oh, that's a great point. I love Get that past point. the peer, right? Before you're uh, being unique, being different in school can be horrendous. Yeah. You know, that's kids, true. kids yeah. make kids fun mean. of you and that other kids. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you're not really prepared for it at that point. So that's a real conundrum of yeah. parenting is how do you, you're in the yeah. school system. Well, listening to you guys talk. You know, we're we're in people pleasing mode. We're we're being prepared to be stamped out. I have to learn this this year, and then get on next year. And if I didn't learn that, well, you're that now. You're just getting the edges trimmed. You know, it's like I imagine a big machine where you're stamping people out, and if you're not quite aligned, you know, well, they're cutting little edges off of you. And some people go through on on route on time. That's fine, but uh, most people don't or maybe nobody does by the end. How do you teach your kids when you're in a system like that? That's the system. How do you teach your kids to be self-motivated, to be internally motivated and find your, uh, your bliss, you know, uh, in the midst of, yeah, but we, you, probably a good idea to have a B average when you get out of high school if you want to go to Harvard. There's a complicated system. You know, it's not a perfect world. How do we, how do we parent people, parent little people through that? That is a great question. I love, I mean, I think that it, that is the question of our time. You know, it's, right? I, I love it because I've often thought like it comes back to me and I've had situations where, you know, you're that mom or dad or whoever, and you get that call from the school and it's so interesting and it can be like, Oh, is so-and-so, you know, and your, your initial reaction is like, Oh, Oh gosh, you know, we haven't complied. We haven't done. And it's so interesting. Yeah. And then we saw it's like, I bring that to my kids and it happened one day. And I remember I, I was in such a mood and I was so like, And I could see I went to my one son and I was like being overly like, oh, are we doing this? Are we doing that? And then I I had to like step back and ask myself, I'm like, do I want this trash? And I was like, mind trash. Like, do I want this in my house? Like this feels like (laughs) something I don't want, you know? So it's about kind of, I think it's, it's so hard to control like what's out there in the system. But I think then it comes back to us. What can we how can we protect that space, that energy, those messages? And I have a lot of like, you know, empathy for parents because it's like we are getting these messages that are like, you know, mm-hmm. it's like ding, ding, ding. And like, are the kids, is the kid okay? And that you feel afraid when you hear that. Like, that's worrisome. And then that is the energy we are indirectly bringing to our kids. So I think it's the, you know, the question we have to kind of, it's going back and kind of redirecting. And, you know, I always ask myself, like, you know, what is that moment that I want with them? You know, when I'm sitting, when I'm sitting with them, like, what do I want them to remember exactly. from me? Exactly. That quality time it, moment. You know? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. 
Yeah, I think there's tough. a way, even when you like, even if it like, especially like if you're a parent and you're listening to this right now and you've got young kids or grade school or middle school, high school kids in the public school system. And you're like, I always try to say at least once every episode, like I don't ever want any parents sitting there being like, Oh my God, I haven't done any of these things. And I'm screwed. Now I'm now I know that I'm screwing up my kids. That's not the point of this podcast. Like I want parents to hear these things. Like, you know, now that we know better, we do better. I think that should just be the battle cry of this podcast at this point. Cause we say it every episode. Um, and you, like, I, there is a way to live your truth and to sit with, with what you want, how you want to raise your children and the reality of the fact that we are set up in a society, the way that we are set up short of going off the grid, buying your own land, you know, putting in solar panels, growing your own garden and becoming completely self-sufficient, which is difficult and rare. Um, I know there are people who do it. I follow them on Instagram, <laughs> which also means the they're not off the grid. They're on Instagram, but um, oil, oil and candles. But you, but like there is, there are different. Just like everything else in life, there there is a spectrum. We are all on that spectrum, and we live in a society that is structured the way that it is for the times that we are in. And there is a way to live truthfully and honestly inside of your home and to have those really deep conversations with your children about their experiences of the world and how exactly. to navigate those with authenticity and, you know, without ha trying to just play the game or people please or constantly perform and compare like there, there are mindset and coping skills and ways to navigate the and live in the world we live in and live you know it's almost like your home is like a it's like a microorganism inside of the bigger mm -hmm. picture mm -hmm. um and so you can your kids are going to experience the world because there's no avoiding it um but there's a way to help them navigate the world that is true to your family's values yeah. uh yeah, yeah. that's so cool. I, like, I think, say, let's normalize, like, not doing it right all the time. Like, I think that's so important. Like, yeah. you know, every like, let's, I just want to, like, you know, remove the shame on that. Like, and I, I remember, I think it was, like, Brené Brown, I was, I was reading that. It's like, you know, shame thrives in silence. And I just remember yes. one day, like, I huh. had a bad day with my kids. And I, like, I texted my sister. I was like, please tell me that, like, you lose your temper with like your kids too. And he was like, Lauren, like, hello, I just did it like five minutes ago. Please like and yeah. it was like it was like a breath of fresh air. So I yeah. think it's like being very honest that like no one no one gets it right all the time. And some grace to yeah. ourselves that a lot of our responses are actually normal reactions to systems that are really mm -hmm. making us feel a little stressed out and afraid. So That's crazy. Yes. Yeah. Like you were yeah. describing uh, being in Tanzania during COVID, you know, where it's it's just different. It's you know there there's no no well defined path to follow. It's dynamic. Things are always coming at us as parents faster than you can really assimilate, you know. And that's you know creating a place, a home. It's like okay, everybody, come calm down. Turn off Snapchat. Personally, I think it. You know, things like Snapchat and, and Instagram, you mentioned filters before yeah. earlier, Lauren, you know, yeah. that's a, that's just a horrible influence, but you, 
try to turn it off, try to ban it. <clears throat> the, the, the trick is to be an island, get yourself to the place as a parent where you can help your kids process that stuff and, and come out on the other side seeing it for what it is, not taking it in as, oh, well, this is the way everybody is and, you know, thinking those things. It's, it's not, not saying it's easy, but somehow, somehow I think we need to do that to, to uh, have an effect on the way the world's going, you know, because they, like they like to stamp us in a little mold and so they can sell us yeah. so we can be a marketing category, you know? Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Get yourself on an island and some good friends who are willing to, you know, affirm you when you, yeah. you know, are human, right? Like when we just are human. And I think like that's, that and that would be like the one message I would have for anyone is to like if they're going through that, it's just like, hey, you know, it's okay. You know, just be as kind to yourself as humanly possible. Like yeah. most of us are doing the best we can. Yeah. yeah. And on an island, get get connected with other people. Yeah. Get real. Like your like your Brene Brown quote. Yeah. You know, it, it's call your sister. Get don't don't try to uh, white knuckle it and do it all on your own. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Totally agree. And that can be hard. Like I just want to speak to people yeah. who who may be listening and being like, I don't have anyone I can, I feel safe enough to call. Mm -hmm. You know, there Mm -hmm. are definitely people who grow up in families and they are the first cycle breaker, right? Mm -hmm. They are, they are the one who is done and is raising their kids, you know, a complete 180 from the way they were raised. Got out somehow. Yeah. yeah, They're getting out of something. And so they may, they may be wildly alone, right now. And so, yeah, finding, joining some kind of community center or just going to your public library and like taking your kid to like, there's all, there's like, there's like baby reading groups and toddler reading groups and bigger kid reading groups, you know, looking up the local free kid options and getting out there and just being brave and meeting other parents until you find somebody you click with. Yeah. That's a great idea. A list of resources would be good. Story time at the library or a, a religious organization, maybe not that all those are great, but get out, get out with people and where you can take your kids. Yeah. And and then you've been in and then get up and have a, you know, a cup of water or whatever they do to socialize and, Get out there and bump into somebody. You know, it doesn't even have to just just mill in the in your community. Yeah. Yeah. That boy, if you're out rural and stuff, then that can be limited to limiting too. We'll have to we'll have to yeah. think of ideas to to, great, to give people have a little resource. And that's mm-hmm. I think to me that's always been the beauty of volunteering. I think like you know a lot of like mm-hmm. with my volunteer mm-hmm. fellows that I work with, um, you know, exactly. I always start them off with that quote by Glennon Doyle. It's like. Go to your heartbreak and you will find your people. Like run to your heartbreak and yes. you will find your people. Huh. Yes. Huh. I just I like that's that. where our people are, you know. It's like if we find what drives us, what moves us, we run there. You know, even in my moments when I felt most alone, if I do that, I will at least find, and that's to me the beauty of service is you're like, wow, I am there in community. Um, with others, even if my whole, my individual life feels like it is crumbling and I am like messing up everything else. And I know I can be to someone else. Yeah. You know, I like that. Better. I like that. I get that. You told, you told the story about, uh, about your little one saying, are you still my mommy? And that just, yeah. that Ugh. just, that just cuts me. Yeah. And I'm sure yeah. a lot of other people too. And, but then I look at, 
you know, at church today, I'm always, I'm always fooling with the kids, you know, and, and, you know, I, I love working with kids and it's because of that. If you can, if you can, it doesn't have to be perfect when you're parenting. If you can, if you can plant seeds, you know, that will then grow and give them things to work on it, you know, there's, they're going to spend more time as they get older. They're out in the world more and you can't protect them. You can't always just fix things or, you know, but you can give them tools in a relatively short period of time. You know, that bubble we were talking about at home, make your home a place where they can, where you can find out what's going on with them and you can make suggestions and read a good book like Brene Brown or something. So you have ideas for different situations Mm -hmm. and talk to other people about, boy, you know, my kid surprised me with this thing that happened at school. That's, uh. Yeah, it's more, it takes takes a village in more ways than one these days. Oh, it does. It does. And I mean, those, wow. that's how I survived Tanzania. It was two people who stepped up, um, Juma and Yusufu, who came in to me, I mean, helped me when I was just, I will always, like, oh. they still work with me in my project now today. I mean, it's just, they were, they became the people. And it's just amazing. These people can come out of, like, nowhere. And I think I will always, It's and it's a certain level of connection that I will just, you know, I stay in forever gratitude to them because I was like sure. at a time when I looked around and I was like, wow, I'm, this is not what I planned. Um, yeah. It's, it's amazing who <laughs> steps up. It's, it's incredible. That's yeah. where real loyalty and connection comes from is, is shared, mm-hmm. shared trials and tribulations sometimes. Yeah. It is. There's actual, there's actual scientific research behind that. And there's also the book, uh, tribe and i'm <gasps> blanking on i know lewis I read that one. so my husband is a retired uh army veteran and he oh. uh, the book tribe is by an author who oh man pretty sure he was also a veteran that might be incorrect i need but to be your guy off screen yeah, go ahead and Google it. But he, so he is, he wrote this book describing the, um, the, the tribalism that, that is so bonding is through, is through suffering. So that, that brotherhood that, you know, um, I actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think the book was too heavily about the military, but any, but anyway, it's about the it's concept about the lessons of, learned. of yeah. yeah, it's more about like the tribal, the tribalism that occurs and where that comes from. And a lot, and like, if we think back either to the native Americans or, um, we, we take the, the army and combat, um, as our examples, but it shows basically worldwide how societies actually became stronger and came out um, more intelligent and invented things, et cetera, together. Sebastian Younger. Um, Can I do that? Do yeah, you is the author. That no, that's that's good. We're referencing. We should know who the author is. Um, yeah, that's bad. But basically, like presenting the science of these studies that um, had been done in warring societies um, and try, you know, Native American tribes were always fighting each other, and then there were times of peace, etc. But societies um, that bonded and 
through suffering because you had to rely on each other. And yeah. so going through like my closest friends in the world are the ones that walked me through my, my, 20s with anxiety, depression, panic attacks, etc. And they are like, they are my rocks. Like I know that I can call them for anything for the rest of my life and they will be there. Um, yeah, and vice long, versa. So there's, so there's this like, like 1000%, the people who, the people who lean on one another to make it through hard times is scientifically proven to bond you and make your relationships more fulfilling and deep. And that concept, that concept can be translated to a parent child relationship as well. Working through conflict and difficulty, whether it's directly between you and your child or your child having an issue with something else in their life, being the one that they can come to during hard times is the number one most bonding thing that will matter to them as they navigate the world. Yeah. Um, how to get connected, how to do that. I mean, that's like you were you were talking about, Lauren. Sorry, I'm doing too much talking here, but, no, you know, no. getting out in a group of some kind, doing some kind of project and working together on mm-hmm. something, especially something you're passionate about, build, you know, building houses for people or building services for people or that, you know, that conflict. Anytime you're around people, right, you get three people in a room and there's going to be some kind of conflict eventually. That's, but that's where it comes from is working, yeah. working through it in the service of uh, uh, some bigger goal, you know, some collective goal. I love that. I think that's so true. And it's like all about like, how do I see my story, right? How do I see it? Do I see it as, is this my overcoming story? Is this my, you know, I'm going to take it to a next level, level story. Is this my yeah. next chapter? And I think it's either, you know, and I think it's, a, you know, it's both about acknowledging what's honest and then also saying, well, what could this story be how well how could i end this like well how could yeah. i write this how yeah. do i yeah. nudge this how do i nudge this where i need, think it needs to go how do i want to yeah where do i want to take this and i think it's the freedom finding your people and then having the freedom to write um you know and it's hard and it, it's slow and i that's another thing i want to normalize is that this is not i think sometimes we think that this happens and like no like this is i'm a yeah. big bully and slow and small steps yeah. baby crawling mm-hmm. like, baby steps that's just what baby yep. steps. You, know? you, you don't go out and save the world. You just no. do your part on exactly. making the world a better place, right? You yeah. know, you, it's not dramatic, usually. And that might mean, like, calling my friend on that day and saying, I feel alone. And that is my part in being a better yes. human. saving Or, you know, going to that, that library and figuring out, taking that brave step of saying, let me find, let me put myself out there. And that's that's hard. You know, that's not, not an easy thing to do when someone's trying to do it differently. And I think that's what's really powerful about yeah. the whole thing. yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Boy, I think we hit on some important stuff today. That's cool. Good. (laughs) Lauren, is there anything we're we're at an hour? Is there is there anything (laughs) that we haven't? I know I have to watch it. See how fast Um, it goes, Lauren. (laughs) Yeah, this was like this was so much fun. I have had good time. Is is there anything that we, Lauren, that we haven't touched on that is crucial to your message, your work? Um, Anything that we haven't gotten to that you want uh that you want to share no i think we've really shared a lot of like what i what i stand for and what i'm what i'm about i think at different stories we've pretty encapsulated it all here <laughs> awesome yeah. 
Wonderful. I think we well, hit everything on the on the notes too. So easy to hide in hard moments and some college admissions. There's probably people we could do and probably do another episode on uh, college <laughs> admission tricks. Oh, I'll that's bet. Its own, yeah, that's you its know? own thing. <laughs> that's its own thing. But just you know, I always say the question. I guess that I've had on my mind. So it's just like, what is the cost of confusion? You know, I I think sometimes it's like we don't recognize mm. the impact that that can have on our physical health, our mental health, our everything, you know, not yeah. knowing who I am and then signing up for a university for four years and then just trying mm-hmm. to like, you know, I mean, the, the power of getting clear and even sometimes embracing confusion as the part of getting clarity. Mm-hmm. For me, it's like that is yeah. the clarity of who my people are. Who do I even like to surround myself with? Who are these people who are equally as committed to yeah. to the change as me? And I think that to me is the, say if I'd, if I'd encapsulate the message, it would be it would be, and that's, we have to, I guess the, it's risking the vulnerability of allowing ourselves to be seen so we can find our people. If we hide, mm. hard to find our people. And I know, cause it's so easy to do. It's so easy to like yeah. go behind the screen. I just want to normalize that. Cause like, it's hard to like, again, put yourself out there, be seen as a parent, as a student applying. And then, mm-hmm. but that's, but the risk is that like, we won't find those other ones who are also yeah, vulnerably putting themselves out there as well, and awkwardly and messing up and being like, "Whoop!" So let me try again. I got rejected. Want to join me for ice cream? And you know, those are hard. Those are hard. Exactly. Moments. Exactly. Yeah. Wanting to be, being willing to be seen, being brave enough to be seen yeah. as an imperfect person. That act, that can actually attract. You know, if other when you when you evidence yeah. your vulnerability, I mean, other people will. That lowers that lowers the threshold of. Uh, resistance or fear for other people to say, hey, there's a vulnerable person. I'm a vulnerable person, even though I don't let anybody show it, you know, or let yeah, anybody yeah. know it. Uh, that's just, that's all good communication. That's all, that's all really good stuff. And it's true in business, yeah. you know, picking, picking apart the confusion is, yeah. is very valuable in yeah. personal, personal areas and in businesses. And I like that phrase, Can, getting rid of the confusion. Yeah. Yep. Beautiful. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. Oh, no, this was great. I have loved this conversation. I'm like totally invigorated. And now I'm like leaving. How do I want to make my island? That's my question. (laughs) I'm leaving with that part today. (laughs) Oh, good. Good. Awesome. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Lauren. And uh, we will see everybody next week. If someone came to mind while you were listening to this episode or you are wishing you had a friend to digest it with, I would be so honored if you shared this link from this episode with them. I myself have always benefited from community and sharing, and I truly believe that it takes a village to raise a child. Our society has become so independent from one another and parenting these days is often a lonely journey. But it doesn't have to be that way. That's why I'm here. If you have been seeking a more intentional approach to parenting, but you aren't sure where to start, I would love to hear from you. You can find me and all of my offerings at www.jennyb.co. And come follow me on all major social media platforms. It fills my heart to hear your stories, where you come from, and your big goals for raising the next generation. 
Don't forget, comment your parenting question on our YouTube channel, The Relational Parenting Podcast, to get it answered on one of our future episodes. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss out. I am so grateful that you are here. And always remember, you are never alone. I'll see you next week. This show is intended for education and entertainment purposes only. We will discuss things like mental health, abuse, PTSD, and other potentially triggering subjects. Please listen at your own discretion, and this podcast is not intended for anyone under the age of 18.